kingdom experience. The acceptable way of approach to God in admission to his favor. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Influence Church. How's everybody doing? What an amazing day we've been having so far. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're looking amazing. Look at your other neighbor and say, you look great. <laughs> you do. You're beautiful people. You're beautiful people. I heard somebody say the other day, uh, they saw the van go by and they were asking us about, they were asking me about something. They said, oh, you go to where all the good people, the good looking people go. I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's you all. You're the good looking people. <laughs> Well, it's such an amazing day we're having so far, and I know God's just uh, beginning, and thank you so much, Pastor Phil. It's an honor to be a part of what God's doing here, and uh, it's an amazing team, and it's all to the glory of God. We're here for him. Amen? amen. Are you here to hear from him today? Yeah. Let me hear you say amen. amen. All right. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, we come before you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have. You said every breath that we breathe is a gift. And God, we realize that it's not by a coincidence that we take the next breath, but it's ordained by God. You've chosen those who are in here today. You have a plan and a purpose for them to go and to bear fruit. Father, we thank you that your word became flesh through your son, Jesus Christ. And who is the way, the truth, and the life? Would you help us today by the spirit of God that we sense in this room to know the way, the truth, and the life? We love you and we worship you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the... This week was uh, kind of a strange week for me, and um, th there's been some things that kind of happened over the last few weeks that led to it, but uh, has anybody been offended? Has anybody ever been offended? Raise your hand if you've been offended, right? Maybe if you need to raise two hands because you've been double, that's right. We've all been offended. And this week, uh, something happened in my family, uh, my immediate family, so I'd say like, you know, my, my uncles, aunts, cousins, all of that. Uh, and I remember we were driving down the road, and this has actually been something that's kind of been like brewing for a little bit, and uh, I remember Erica saying to me, Nate, you can't take up offense. And when she said that to me, I literally saw myself picking up offense. And I know what she meant. She said, you can't take offense by this situation, but I saw myself picking up offense. <laughs> In my mind, I literally saw myself pick up offense, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, and then I saw myself like shoving it in other people's faces. Like, can you believe what they did to me? Can you believe what they said to me? Can you believe what that happened to me? And I saw myself picking up offense. And, you know, so today I want to spend a little bit of time talking about offense. And I know it's kind of a, one of those awkward topics because it's like the elephant in the room because we've all dealt with it. And we're going to dig into some things uh, that Jesus Christ has laid out for us. And there's hope. Can you look at your name and say there's hope? There's hope. In our culture, we deal with offense just worldwide. We see it in our media, right? I mean, especially, you know, as we came through the 2016 election, I mean, it, you know, and that's political offense, and we always can anticipate that. And we see it, I mean, have you ever been to the grocery store? Have you ever been offended at the grocery store, right? My thing is, the person that walks down the, the, the like, where the, 
outside where you're parking your car, right? They're coming out of the grocery store. They've got their cart. It's jammed full of groceries, and they're walking down the drive, like the lane, like they're driving their car. Have you ever seen that, right? They're like, you know, they're in their own little world, and they're like pushing their cart in the middle of the lane, and you're, of course, in your car trying to get around them, and it's like just not working. So offense. I mean, you want to be offended, go to the mall on like a shopping holiday, right? Ladies, ladies, right? Men, right? Maybe your wife sends you out for something and you're like, no, not Black Friday. Like, please, no, no, no. Like they took my outfit. They took my parking spot. Like, right? Offended. And so today we're going to dig into this. And the problem that we're going to address is offense. And I want to, I want to show you two solutions, the power of faith. So if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about uh, avoid the occasion of offense and we're going to talk about the power of faith. We're going to talk about true humility. And then we're going to wrap it up with us being part of the kingdom of God. And we're going to do this by looking at Luke 17. So I'm not going to like open your Bible and read to it. I want you to go home and read tonight from it. And like let the spirit of God sink in with what the word of God shows you. And let it come even clearer in your life. And uh, so offense. And we've all dealt with offense. You know, we've been offended by people. We've been offended by something in culture. We've been offended. And Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 17, guess what? It's impossible that you not have offense. In this life, you're going to have offense. And so as I was dealing with this situation um, in my family, all of a sudden, I started to think back as I was looking at the scripture that Jesus said, we're going to have offense. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, why am I, you know, why does this hit me like right in the face? And I remembered like this other time a few weeks ago where I was getting offended. So it was like offense and then more and then more and then more. And it just like escalated with this situation in my, in my family. And I remember being at the mall and, uh, you know, if you've been there, you know, it's, it's crazy. And my wife actually texted me the other day and she's like, Hey, I got you some new shoes. It's actually these white shoes I'm wearing right now. I needed some new white shoes, right? You know, we got kids and, you know, they like to stand on the top part as I stand on the bottom part. And, you know, it ends up being brown shoes sooner than later. And I said, hey, sweetheart, what size did you get me? And she's like, oh, I got you. And I was like, babe, that's the wrong size. Offended. I mean, I'm offended at this already. I'm like, that's the wrong size. I got to go back to the mall and get the right size. Sweetheart, why didn't you text me? I've got on the old shoes that are brown and dirty. I could have like flipped the tongue open and looked at the size. And she's like, ah, oh, no, you know, like, okay. And so I'm already like, you can see... So I go to the mall after Sunday service. It was actually like a few weeks ago. And I've got the two kids with me. I'm like rushing in and I'm like, oh, we need to eat. So I get in line at Chipotle at of all places, you know, at the mall, it's like the longest line. And I'm like, oh, and of course, Abby's like, daddy, I want Chipotle. And I'm like, all right. So we get in line and we're standing in line and we're waiting patiently. And all of a sudden this lady who is totally oblivious to everything that's going on, she's got her cart full of, you know, bags and kids. And, and she's just like, Mosey's right up in front of me. And, and I'm like, oh no, you don't. No, no, I've been waiting for 10 minutes to get to here and you're just going to pretend like you're on your phone and you don't know what's going on. And so I'm like, I put my foot out there, right? I'm like, the line starts back there. This is closed off, right? I'm like trying to barricade this and I'm offended. Like she's going to jump in front of me. Like, how dare you take my spot? So she didn't get the hint. She's on her phone and she's still, you know, she's texting away, doing whatever she's doing. And the kid's like, mommy, mommy, mommy. And I'm like, you're not jumping. And all of a sudden the line starts to shift and she starts closing in. And I'm like, okay, she didn't see the foot. So I'm like, Abby and Rivers, you know, I'm like, come on kids up here. Like, if you don't see, if you don't see this, I'm putting my kids in the way. So all of a sudden I'm like, Abby, River, quick, the line's going. And, you know, I'm like, shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. I'm like, you know, they're like slammed up against the Chipotle glass. They're like, okay, dad. <laughs> Offense right? We deal with offense. And that was like a few weeks ago and it just kept escalating and escalating and escalating until my wife finally said, Nate, you can't take it up. 
you can't take up offense. And it hit me as I'm like, I'm, I'm building these barricades, right? I'm shutting people out of my life. And I'm like shoving it in their faces, right? I mean, you ever done, have you ever been offended? And you're like, oh yeah, look what they did to me. Look what they did to me, right? And you're like pushing it in their face. Can you believe they did that to me, right? That's offense. And the world deals with it. Well, they don't deal with it. The world is, is, has offense. And we as the church too are offended. And the world's looking for somebody to help them out of it, right? You know, they get angry and they get frustrated and they, and, and you see somebody on the, on the, on their, they, they put a social media blurb up and it offends a bunch of people. So they get back up and they apologize. And it's like, they're looking for an answer. And we, the church are the answer, right? We're the, we're the answer. I'm, I'm here to tell you today, we're the answer. Look at your neighbor and say, we're the answer. So my title for today is access is on the other side of the fence. Access is on the other side of the fence. And as I think it's just amazing that we're, we're going to be gathered here tonight to worship and to honor God. And I want you to know something. Access is on the other side of offense. When I'd start to dig back through, like, where has this offense come from in my own life? Like, what is it? Is there something deeper inside of me that is allowing this offense to kind of stick to me like this unwanted, ugh, right? The simple point where the world's looking for the answer, the Bible says that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. There's a type of offense that we've got to help the world see through all of it. And when I look back through the first time that somebody was offended in the Bible, as I was reading Luke 17 and chapter one, you're going to have offense. And I'm thinking, all right, so who else has dealt with this in the Bible? And I flip back through and I see two brothers, Cain and Abel. What happened? They were, they brought their sacrifices, their acts of worship. They brought it before God and Cain brought from his produce and Abel brought from his herds. And God said to the sacrifice that Abel had, he said, I've accepted it. And to the sacrifice that Cain brought, he said, no, no, no. And it was almost like if you've, ever, if you've got brothers and siblings, you know, I do. And so I know what this is all about. And, you know, it's like the one that daddy approves of. He's like, yes, woohoo, I made it, right? That's Abel. He's like, whoa, yes. And Cain, you know, he's kind of like, he's like the son that, you know, didn't get the stamp of approval. It's many times happened to me. And, you know, he's kind of like shuffling his feet away, right? Kind of down, breast a little deep. And God says to him, it actually says in Genesis chapter four, the Lord says, Cain, why is your countenance so low? What's wrong? And then he even goes on to say, why are you so angry? He's offended. And he's offended at his brother. And here we see the first, this first challenge of offense and we see that God goes on to say, Cain, is it not that if you do good, you'll be accepted? And if you do, if you do not do good, it will not be accepted. Or he actually says, sin is at your door crouching. It's desiring you. If you do good, you'll be accepted. The decisions, it's in the balance right now. If you do good, you're accepted. If you do not do good, sin is is desiring you. And he actually goes on to say, and you can conquer it. Or he desires for Cain to be able to overcome this. But of course, we know the end of the story, he doesn't. And of course, he murders his brother. And we have offense. And we wonder why we deal with it, right? Because it's rooted in, it's rooted in sin. And sin means to miss the mark. And God wants to help us today. He wants to help us to overcome offense. And today, as we look into Luke chapter 17, I'm going to give you a few things that I know God has shown me to help me get over it. Because like, if I know I'm dealing with it, I'm not the only one. And in a room full of people that said, hey, I'm with you too. You know, we see offense in our world around us. We see offense 
in marriages. We see offense in families. We see offense all over the place. And we have to see it as an occasion for us to really press towards God. When you look up the word offense that Jesus used in Luke chapter 17, it actually means scandalon. It's a Greek word. And does that sound familiar to anybody? The word scandal is actually where we get this word from the root word scandalon. And think of the intricacies in a scandal. Like we've seen Watergate and we've seen all of these, these scandals that are like, oh my goodness, like the thought that was put into this and the detail, right? That's what the enemy desires in the midst of our offenses, right? It's almost like this custom fit in your face is what the enemy's trying to do. And if, we're, if we don't know Jesus Christ, if we don't have a relationship with God, it pretty much lands us on our back. But if we do, you have hope. If you do, you have faith. And so as I was thinking of this, one of the definitions that the Greek gives for this word scandalon or this word offense that we use it in, in the King James Version, it actually is like, a, uh, it's a slap trap is, is the term that it gives. And if you're like, what in the world is a slap trap? Let me, let me illustrate it for you. So a slap trap is where you take like a little sapling and you tie it to a string. Maybe if you ever, whoever watched like Riody, uh, uh, the Coyote and the Roadrunner, have you ever seen that? He used them all the time, right? He's like trying to get the roadrunner. So they take, a, they take like a little sapling or they take like a board or something and they tie it back to, with, a, with a string or something. And then you either can do two things. You can either set up like a little trip line and you, and you tie it to something that's gonna pull the, the rope so that it, it'll actually release the trap and whoosh, hit whatever's coming towards you. So if it's, you know, something that's gonna harm you, uh, you can like cut it quick. So we used to do these as kids, right? If you've grown up in the woods, we would actually we would know that our friend's coming down the trail, you know, he's coming real hard or whatever. He could be riding a bike. It was really fun with bikes, but you know, he's running and all of a sudden you like grab the little sapling and and you know, he's like, boom. Or you would be walking. uh, I used to do it to my brother all the time and we would be walking in the woods. Yes. See, this is what God has redeemed me from. Praise the Lord. My brother, who's two years younger than I am, he would be walking behind me or, or one of our friends would be walking behind us in the woods and you're just kind of like, maybe they would be a little bit distracted. You know, I'll just side note it. Today, it would be really easy to do because all of our, it seems like our young ones, all they're doing is they're on their phones. They're like, so it would be really easy to make it. But they would be distracted. They'd be behind you and you would be walking. All of a sudden you'd see this little branch hanging out. So you kind of grab a hold of it as you walk by and then you take a few steps and then you can feel the tension building in the building and you just let go of it. And of course, they're behind you, you know, they're not paying attention. They're like, you know, like out of nowhere, like, oh man, that really hurt. And that's, I mean, it really does. I mean, it lets a weld on your skin and, and, but that's what the enemy does, right? Put that visual into your mind and, you know, you're walking along the, the road of life, the trail of life and everything's great. And you're like, man, it's a beautiful day. And, and all of a sudden it's like, you're like, where did that come from? Right? Offense. It hits us sometimes, and I would believe that if, if you're anything like me, at the most, like, inopportune time, when you least expect it, right? It's like, how in the world? And Erica says to me, you cannot take this up. You've got you've to let it go. You've got to let it go. And the key is, we have to do that as Christians, is because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And the enemy, what he's trying to do is he's trying to weasel his way in there. And if he can cause offense and if he can cause some of these things, unforgiveness and resentment and all these things, then guess what's happened? He has is, he is destroyed that relationship. And now where God's trying to show up in the midst of that community, in the midst of that relationship, in the midst of that fellowship, all of a sudden there's nothing. But I can tell you this, 
The Bible says in Proverbs, when the, where the stump is caught, cut off, it says, yet at the scent of water, it begins to bud. I will tell you there's a scent of water in the place today. But by the word of God, there are going to be relationships redeemed. There are going to be, there's going to be community that's going to be uh, affirmed and assured. Today, I believe it in Jesus' name, right? I believe it in Jesus' name. Because Jesus actually even said, if you, have a, uh, if you have a fence, right, before you even offer your gift, go and make it up and come back and offer to your gift in worship, right? The world is looking for a group of people that can help them to get over it. Because without knowing Jesus Christ and without knowing the love that he displayed for us, the forgiveness that he extended to us, the mercy that he extended to us, there's no hope. There's no ability. There's no way to get out of it. And so today, as we start to look at these two solutions, faith, the power of faith. So if you're taking notes, the first one was avoid at all cost the occasion of offense. Avoid it. Avoid it, right? The next point is, as we look at the solution, the power of faith. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is the substance. It actually says now faith. It's activated faith, like in the present. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So if you were kind of to define define, uh, faith, I would start there. It's the now. It has to be applied now in the midst of things that you don't see towards something that you are hoping in, Right? And so if I were to say to you, which I've said to many young people, what's the opposite of faith? And many people go, fear, right? Like, oh, fear. Yeah, I got the answer. I got it right. And it's not. Faith has no opposite. It's in its realm of its own. I want you to hear that today. Fear has an opposite. The opposite of fear is fearlessness. In Timothy, he said, God said, I have not given you a spirit of fear. So if God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, then he has given us something, and that's fearlessness, boldness, courage. God has given you a fearlessness, and along with that, he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. Do you hear that? So fear has an opposite, fearlessness. Faith is in a realm of its own, and I can dare to tell you today that you've got to be careful what you put your faith in. Every person, every single one of us has been given a measure of faith, a measure of faith. What do we apply it to? You say to me, well, you mean every person? Every person, if they have entrusted their faith with God or if they're holding on to it themselves, I put a tiny little white or a tiny little piece of cloth across my shoulder and I expect that in the midst of an accident in my car that that thing's going to keep me safe, right? I, I put my faith in a little white piece or a little piece of yellow paint in the middle of the road that's going to keep me divided from that car coming head on at the same speed I'm going in the opposite direction, right? Faith. We've all been given a measure of it, but where are we applying it? I want you to think of this. You can actually put your faith in a lie. You can actually put your faith in something that's not in accordance to God's word. And today, to know the power of faith, to know the power of faith. So when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them in Luke 17, you're going to have offenses. This is going to come your way. And you're going to actually have to forgive people. And then the disciples go, well, Jesus, how, are we, how many times are we going to have to do this? If our brother comes to us, you know, seven times in a day, do we have to forgive them seven times? And Jesus says, yep, you need to do that and 70 times more, right? And they, you can almost see, they're like, well, who can do that? Increase our faith. And Jesus goes, well, if you have faith the size of a what? A mustard seed. So it's almost like the disciples are waiting for him to give them this grant. Like, you know, I would really want to be, if I was the disciples, I'd be like, Jesus, just pray for me that I have like a hundred times faith and I'll be good and I can forgive them and everything's going to be great, right? 
but he didn't. He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the power of faith. You know, the seed, when, I, when, I, when you read this, I actually like to think of it as that the seed can actually say before it even happens that the tree would bear fruit, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. Because that's what he went on to say. If you would have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say unto this tree, be removed and be cast into the sea. So whenever you're going through life and you know that, look, offenses come my way. God, I need to know the power of faith. And you can say, I know this isn't of God. And I'm not putting my faith in that thing. It's not going to produce that fruit. I'm going to put it in what God has done for me, the fruit of the spirit. I want to see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance, faith show up in this thing, right? And if we would believe that God would desire that for us also, what kind of, what kind of parent wouldn't want to help their, their child in a time of need? And Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, I want to give you a picture of what actually happens. The mustard seed is like one of the smallest herb seeds that there is. And it actually grows into a tree that, they, that is like... 10 to 13 feet tall. So it's this tiny little seed and it grows into this, this plant that we use, right? We use it today. And, but he compares it to when he says the tree that's gonna be uprooted, he, he switches to a sycamore tree. Some translate it into a mulberry tree. Let me tell you what it actually is. It's like a shrub. This, this shrub bears a fruit that resembles a fig. And the problem is with it, it's really hard to digest. So it's really good for nothing. There's a few people that maybe impoverished it in the Bible times would maybe try to eat this fruit, but it was really hard on the digestive system. And Jesus was saying, this right here, this little, this little seed is so important. And if it's planted and if it's believed on and if it's committed to and if it's continued to go and go and go, it's gonna grow into this useful tree. Now this thing over here, on the other hand, before it even starts to bear fruit, the seed can say to it, be removed and be cast into the sea. Do you hear that? the power of faith. What are we putting our faith in today? What are we putting it into? Because you can actually put your faith in to a lie. And we can try to work these scenarios of offense out in our own minds and we can hold on to them, pretending that maybe some good's gonna come out of it. Or we can actually come before God and say, God, can you help me? God, by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the price that was paid for me at the cross, Maybe something that I'm really offended is that, that I'm doubting the, the price that was, was it enough for me, right? Can I even extend forgiveness? Am I even worthy to? Do you see what's happening? Is the offense that I'm holding on to actually rooted in something deeper that I'm trying to get over? And I just keep pushing people off with offense instead of looking down deeper and saying, God, what is it inside of me? What is it inside of me that I'm really offended about? Do I believe that you can handle it? Do I believe that maybe the situation's bigger than, than you are? What is going on inside of me? But I'll tell you today, if you put your power, if you put your faith in him, that he shows up powerfully in our lives. He shows up powerfully. The last, the, the second point, uh, true humility. True humility. So Jesus says he's talking with his disciples and he tells them you need to have faith. And if you have faith that's just the size of a mustard seed, it gives hope to us all. But he goes on and he says, he starts to tell this story or this parable about a man who has a servant. And he says, if the man has the servant and his servant goes out all day and he takes care of the crops and he takes care of the herds and he works all day tirelessly and he comes in and he actually sets himself down at his meal. If his master comes in, does not the servant stand up and serve the master and then go back to his food? 
And Jesus is illustrating this relationship between the, the servant and the master. And I really believe that as Pastor Phil unfolded that for us last week with the sonship and the servantship, that this should come to life even so much more. But he's telling this story about this master and his servant. And he actually, he says, now that's what his duty is, right? As a servant, that's what he is signed up for. As a servant, that's what's expected for him. That when his master comes in, he does. And whenever his master doesn't even tell him to do, he's doing what he knows he's supposed to be doing because that's what he is doing as a servant. We have a relationship and an opportunity to be children of God, sons and daughters. But Jesus says under that situation, he says, that person you actually, he points it back to the disciples and he says, you keep yourself in a place of being unprofitable. And basically what he is saying is because you think you're entitled for an attaboy. He's saying you keep yourself in a place of not profiting because you expect to get an attaboy for doing what's been your service. The servant doesn't expect his master to say, great job, well done, because he's doing what he's been asked to do. The same as we, we do what's just been extended to us and we're more than servants. We're sons and daughters of the living God, and sometimes we think we're entitled to something more, but can I tell you, we have to even extend to us what's been, we have to extend it to somebody else what's been extended to us. True humility is what I would like to say, it doesn't take words. And Pastor Phil always says this too. He says that the person that tells you they're the most humble person, they've already failed question number one on the humble test, right? True humility, it takes actions. And I really think where some of us wrestle with, it's actually who's Lord of your life. Who is Lord of your life? True humility has to do with lordship. And if we know that what even Jesus was saying about that, the, the master knows what his Lord wants. And there's no question in that. It's when it comes down to us applying it to our life. It says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And many times we like to say, you know, yes, you know, I come into church and I feel the spirit of the Lord and, and I feel that there's a sense of freedom. And there is, trust me, there is, and that's important. But I can tell you that has to trickle its way down into the individual's life where you actually begin to ask the question, where the spirit is Lord, there is freedom. Where the spirit of God is Lord of your life, there's freedom. So yes, there's freedom in this place as you come together and we worship and we honor God, but it has to trickle down into the individual's life that where the spirit of the Lord is. Spirit of God, what you lead me in doing, I have to do. This is my reasonable service, right? This is our reasonable service. Jesus, you've extended to me love. Guess what I owe my brother? Jesus, you've extended to me mercy. Guess what I owe my brother? Jesus, you've extended to me forgiveness. Guess what I owe my brother? those same things. And what happens is, if we're not careful, because it's a lordship thing, we actually end up, this is the way that it looks like. I see it in the spirit. This is what happens with me. Whenever I question the lordship of my life, now my offenses or the fences in my life look a lot higher. Now it seems like it's something that's insurmountable. But whenever I humble myself before God and I and I honor him for who he is and let him be Lord of my life. The Bible says to the one who honors himself, what does the Lord do? He picks him up. And now he says, look at the perspective. Look at the perspective. And now look what happens with the fences. It's something that you can, and it's not on our own. We're not doing it on our own. Jesus Christ is the one that hung on the cross. And he said, for God, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even him in the opportunity to be offended, he kept keeping his eyes on the Father. And empowered by the Spirit, he wouldn't let the offense stop him. But he stepped over it. And he offers us the same opportunity today as we humble ourselves before God. As we let him be Lord of our life. Jesus said in Acts chapter 10, or Matthew chapter 10, I want to read it. He said, take of me. Sorry, Mark, Matt 11. Take of my yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. And it's there you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you hear that? That's what Jesus says. Like, let me help you. Like, they couldn't get it. They, they weren't able to get it back in Genesis chapter four, right? And Jesus came so that we could overcome. And he said, I've got to go back to the Father because when I go back to the Father, the Spirit of God is going to pour out upon young, old, male, female, Gentile, Jew, going to pour out. And at that opportunity, you are going to be able to accomplish what I've started in motion. You're going to be able to pick up where I left off. So apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus talks about it beautifully in John 15 where he talks about the vine and the branch and he's called us to bear fruit. But if we're separated from the vine, we can't do anything. Humility, humility. Let us be humble in heart. Let us be humble in our actions. Let us be humble in our words. Let us really say, Lord, if you showed up in the midst of this relationship, what would it look like? Lord, if you showed up in the midst of this tension, what would it look like? Lord, if I really was to press into you and whatever it takes, if it means fasting and praying or whatever, to hear you, God, to see you, God, I'll do it because you're Lord of my life and I've got to see you move. And Moses said, I won't go in if you're not going, right? God, I'm not going to go into this one step further without you. It may have been me that got me in the mess, but I know who the only one is that can get me out of the mess. It's you. It's you, God. And so Jesus is telling his disciples about this parable of humility, and he, he talks about 10 lepers in it, and it actually starts out in Luke 17. It says, and it just so happens. I love that. It just so happens. Like, you read all this. It may have been really difficult for you to hear in some ways, which it was for me the day I, when I was, like, studying into this. I'm like, Lord, this really hurts, right? Like, you don't know what they did. And then he says, it just so happens. I'm going to show you what it looks like. And he says, Luke 17 says Jesus was walking towards Jerusalem and it just happened that he came into this village in Samaria in Galilee and there was 10 lepers and they were there. Talk about offense, right? Leprosy was a disease that would ostracize you. It was super contagious and it would actually start small and it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a fungus and it would eat and they would, they would be able to see it on the outside of your skin and it would keep eating and keep eating and keep eating to the point that some people would even lose their arms and their limbs and this was a horrible disease, horrific. And these 10 men had it. And so they're, they can't be near their families. They can't be near their jobs. They can't be near the cities. They would put them in these areas that were, that were unclean. And that's where the, the lepers lived at. And these, these 10 lepers, they see Jesus and they say, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, right? Offense. I mean, think of them, they're, away from their families, opportunity to be offended. They're away from their jobs, opportunity to be offended. They see and they've heard of the stories about Jesus and now they hear him say, go show yourselves to the master. Maybe some of them even thought, well, we do that every year. Because as the Levitical law, they had to show themselves to the priest if they were desiring to be 
called clean, they had to show themselves to the priest, and there was a whole process that they would look at the leprosy, and they would say, you're clean. You can go live with your family. You can go have your job. You can go enjoy life. And there, maybe the Bible doesn't tell us. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went to the priest, they're obeying his command. But one man looked down, and he went, hallelujah, I'm healed. The Bible doesn't tell us if they ever actually showed up to the priest. I don't know or not. But this one man that looked down and saw that he was healed turns around, wherever it was, and he starts making his way back to Jesus. I've got to get back to thank this man. I've got to get back to honor this man. I've got to get back to just tell him how much I appreciate what he's done for me. The Bible says, that he gets there and he falls down on his face and he says, Jesus, and he starts glorifying, thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus. And he starts worshiping him. He's humbled himself. His faith is activated enough that all he knows is he's got to go back and honor this man. Humble himself before him. Can I tell you, I don't know what happened to the other nine people, if they ever showed up to the priest or not, but this one leper fell at the feet of the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He's at the priest who is seated at the right hand of the father, and he says, as I am, so are you. This man is at the feet of the priest, and he says, God, I thank you. Jesus, thank you. I'm healed. I'm healed. Now, when you look that word up, it means, it means on the surface, kind of cleansing. Jesus looks at him and he says, Was, wasn't there nine more? Like, wasn't there 10 of you? What happened to the other nine? And I, I think that that man didn't even hear him. Thank you, Jesus. Like, hallelujah, I can be with my family. I'm over this offense. I'm healed. I'm back to my job. I'm back to life. It's going to be normal. You know, he's worshiping and glorifying God. I don't even think he heard the question. Because Jesus looks down at him after he said that. And he says, is not this stranger, is it just you, a Samaritan? Jesus overcame all offenses. Here's a Jewish man. Because of the offense that had happened between the Samaritans and the Jews years ago, they wouldn't even talk to each other. They were, eh. And here he is, and he says, is not this one who only, the only one who comes back to me is not he a stranger. But he was there to worship his faith and his humility. He knew there was something different about Jesus. He knew there was something about this one that he couldn't go away from without worshiping. He knew he could help him. Something connected with this man in his faith and in his humility, that Jesus looked down at him and he said, your faith has made you whole. So Jesus used a word there that means sozo. That means healing and wholeness in the spirit, the soul, and the body. Can I tell you, I believe that as this man stood up, Johnson and Johnson could have came and shot a baby commercial with his skin. I don't think he ever had to have a problem with going back to the priest and showing himself and all of that because God had done something. But it came from where his faith was at. It came from where his, his, his humility was located in. And Jesus Christ is in the room to do the same today for you and I. He's in the room to help us. What kind of father wouldn't help his son get over something, right? What kind of son, what kind of son would even hesitate to ask his dad, dad, help me? What kind of daughter would his, would a parent not help? What kind of child would a parent not help? That's the God we serve. That's who's in this room today. And listen, I don't know what's brought you here. I don't know if, like me, maybe it was a week full of offenses that God's shown up in the last few minutes and said, hey, I'm here to lend you a hand to help you to get up. If everybody would stand to their feet.
because Jesus said in Matt 11 that we're actually to cleanse the lepers. And in that time, there was no cleansing agent for leprosy. And actually, they would deem houses unclean, and they would deem fabric unclean, and leprosy was the thing that affected, it was this, it was this whatever, this, this funk. But can I tell you that Jesus looked at his disciples, and he said, go and preach the gospel, and he gave them a command to cleanse the lepers. He's given us the same command, that we're to help each other out. There's this thing that runs through society and humanity called offense. And the only one who's overcome it is Jesus Christ. At the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And he extends the same thing to us. Forgive for they don't know what they do. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Assume communication and misunderstandings, all of those things, the enemy plays on all of that. And if we would say, Father, I need you to show up in this. Because what he wants to do, Drew, can you come here for a quick second? Sorry. I got you just in time. <laughs> Because I want, to, I want you to see what God wants us to do. As we've allowed Jesus Christ, we come before him and we allow the power of faith and humility to, to lift us up over and to see the perspective and we can overcome those obstacles. Now, you know what he asks us to do? He asks us to actually help a brother. Help a brother. Help a brother, right? Do it again, do it again. As Jesus has extended us love and forgiveness and mercy and he says, now you go do the same thing right? You could do the same thing. The world may look like leprosy. The world may look bad. The world may look nasty. That situation may look bad, but he asks you, go help somebody get over it. Help somebody get over it. Help somebody get over it as many times as it takes. Help them get over it. 70 times 70. He's not going to be able to play the guitar anymore. He's like, ah. But that's it. As ever many times as it takes. I literally saw myself because of one little thing, one little comment, between my dad and my brother, it was starting to affect me. And it built upon other things and other things and all I am is I'm walking around with this. And Jesus said to the one, offense is gonna come, but to the one who gives it, it's worse. We've gotta let Jesus Christ come in and help us to overcome this stuff so that whenever we know that by faith and by humility that I'm stepped over this thing, and now guess what? The only thing I have to give is this, and I don't have an offense to shove in their face, and I don't have a problem. I, I've got love that I can extend. And now, unopposed to anything in my life, the Spirit of God can move through, and the Spirit of God can do what only He can do. And you're a humble vessel. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He desires it for each and every one of us. So as we're in this place, maybe you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I've got some things that I came in today with and I just need some, I need somebody to help me over this. Maybe you're in this place and if you would say, the gospel has seemed to be a bit of an offense for me, right? It seemed to be foolishness. I couldn't understand it. I'm here to tell you God loves you. He loves you not here first. He loves you here first and he'll help you figure it out up here but you gotta move here. And if that's you, you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I wanna know the love of a heavenly father. I wanna know his son, Jesus Christ. I wanna know his Holy Spirit. If that's you, I want you just to slip your hand up in the air saying, I wanna know God today. I wanna know God today. I wanna know God today. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I've seen his hand extend to me in love. 
Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, you see their hands in faith. This is the power of faith coming in their life right now. Their hope is in you. Their hope is in you right now on this minute. And the amazing thing is you promised that you would write our names down in the book of your family in eternity. Lord, you know them and you know what they're going through. And God, we thank you that you love them and that their prayer today would be, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, and I give you my life. Be Lord of my life. Spirit of God, show up now and resurrect this dead person. Resurrect something inside of me, the Spirit of God that, that align with my spirit inside of me and make me your child. Make me your son. Make me your daughter by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am forgiven. I am free. I am new. If that's you this morning and you prayed that, I want you to give your, I want you to give God a hand clap because he's the one that's done it. He's the one that's done it. He's the one that's done it. He loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. And we're going to, we're going to sing this song. And if you, uh, defender, right? great defender. If you've got a fence that you just need somebody, first of all, if you, if you know God's the only one that can help you out and get up over this thing, I want you to come down here. But if you need somebody to stand with you, and if you need somebody to pray with you, I want you to come down here. The prayer team's going to meet you here. But I want you, we're not leaving this place with this. If you need to go to somebody and say, hey, I wronged you. Will you forgive me? I want you to start there with that. Because God wants to do some amazing things. But if you need somebody to pray with you, I want you, while we're singing this song, I want you to come down. I want you to line up here. And listen, it's your faith. This is activating faith in the deep part of you. Get down here. And if you need somebody to grab you by the hand and say, pray with me, we're going to make this step together. I want you to, as we're singing this, you respond as the Spirit of God has shown you to respond. Pick up all the pieces. Go. Here's what I want us to do. I really feel um, 
I wanted to do this last service, but we were running into the second service. So uh, you guys are getting a special touch by God. I truly believe that. But I want you to, I want something. I really felt God shifting some things in the atmosphere today. And uh, I really want, for if you're in your seat right now, we can do this real simple. But if you have an offense that you need to get over with the help of Jesus Christ, with the help of his Holy Spirit, I want you to, if you've got room, I just want you to take this step with me. You ready? On the count of three. And God's going to know what it is. You take a step of faith. He meets you. He says, I draw near to you as you draw near to me. So on the count of three, the offenses, and it's going to, listen, it may take some time to unfold and fully manifest itself, but it changes right here. It changes today. It changes today. Are you ready? On the count of three. If that's you, you're going to step with me as I step over this. We're stepping over in the name of Jesus Christ. One, two, three. Over that. In the name of Jesus Christ. Over it. Over it. Because he is greater than it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you change our perspective. Lord, that when we humble ourselves and we say, Lord, I need you to be Lord in this situation, you lift us up so that you can, you can help us to see clear that it's an offense that the enemy, it's a scandal that the enemy is trying to hit you with. But by the power of Jesus Christ, step over it. God, we thank you for what you've done in this place today. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. amen. Give God glory. Give God glory. If you prayed to salvation prayer, you can go to the Link Central tent. If you need to get signed up for summer camp for your kids, you can do that at the front lobby with the kids team. And go blessed. Go and be blessed. Be honored. May the face of God shine upon you. And see you tonight at 6 p.m. Be here. It's going to be amazing.